Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Doctors of Running Virtual Roundtable, where we three doctors of physical therapy discuss the art and the science of the stuff that we're putting on our feet. We have to start over. Who Come knows on. how this? <laughs> no way. We're, we're rolling. This is authentic. We're All right. Fine. The, who, know, who knows what tonight's going to end up like? But, okay, great. Uh, for those of you listening to podcasts, uh, DJ is wrapped in a blanket, which he's just ready for bed or something it's an avengers blanket though so that's cool but uh what we're gonna do today is we started a conversation on stability uh trends and what those are looking like in footwear both in the past and now current trends that we're seeing and then we did get some questions on our youtube channel um and elsewhere so we're gonna we want to run through those we want to talk about those questions we think the people who um, who gave us these questions and thoughts. Uh, it's, it's good to keep this conversation going. Uh, so let's just jump into some of those questions. I'll try to give shout outs to the people who asked them. If I mispronounce your name, please forgive me. Uh, but Michael Lancaster, um, he had a question about some New Balance shoes having a lateral sole flare in the forefoot. Please, can you tell me what effect this is likely to have? Uh, some seem to think it would, could adversely affect forefoot stability. Thank you. And so um, this is seen most pronounced, I believe in the Rebel, um, maybe a little bit in the Propel, but I think the Rebel has the biggest one. And then there is some lateral sole flare through the midfoot in the prism that was built in here. So let's talk about what a lateral flare in the mid, in kind of the mid to forefoot what effect is that going to have on stability? Is it going to be a positive effect? Is it going to be a negative effect? Is it going to depend? So, uh, so soul, we should probably start out with the foundation is for those who don't know that soul flare refers definition to the outward. Yeah. The definition is the outward extension of the midsole beyond where the foot is. So you'll have shoes that it's, you know, curved inward or sits directly underneath the foot and you'll have ones where it kind of extends out. So this is the prism. And can you see that lateral side, particularly in the forefoot and even to the midfoot here, extends out laterally beyond where the shoe is. So flare, what that does is it increases the surface area of the shoe. So technically, technically, it should provide a wider platform. So if you land in your heel and you roll forward, if there's some flare in a certain direction, it should provide a little bit of resistance to that motion. The answer I is- think a mo uh, Yeah. The answer is it depends I think an on- An extreme- yeah, go for it. An extreme example of the lateral sole flow that we see clinically and that I'm actually working with somebody right now is somebody who had uh, a stroke, a CBA, and they, um, they, their, their foot inverts, like they quote unquote, roll their ankle right. every time that they step. So what was put onto their shoe uh, was a, a pretty decent, decently sized lateral sole flare that because it's extended out, it doesn't let his, his ankle roll because the foot uh, there, the shoe, the, the outsole of the shoe hits first and it gives 
an increased amount of torque into pronation instead of supination. And so it provides the stability for him because he would, he would invert his calcaneus and roll his ankle, quote unquote, every single step. If he didn't have that platform, that's giving a torque into the pronation or um, kind of the everted position. Now that actually brings up a really interesting point because some people quite literally need to have pronation facilitated and to have a lateral wedge or a sole flare put in. But it's, it's interesting because when you, anytime you increase the cross-sectional area, in theory, you do increase the stability of the platform underneath you. But in extending it laterally, if someone is a four foot striker, it's almost the same idea as a posterior heel flare. You're going to have an early contact. And so if you have an early contact and your muscles aren't quite primed for it, it might not feel the greatest. And I actually was talking with someone earlier today who has um, a similar problem because he's a very prominent forefoot striker. And when shoes do put a, a flare on it, that he has a really hard time with it. Um, so for some people, if you're landing further back, it might feel amazing. And for some that are really far up front, it might not feel the greatest. So it's another one of those personal um, preference kind of things. But yeah. I think it's a, it's a great point to bring up that some people may like this, some people may not. So these, these are all mechanisms and designs that you can utilize in a shoe. They're not necessarily bad. It's just going to work better for certain people and not as well for others. As David mentioned, right? If you land, if you're landing at the posterior section, you roll forward. That's going to be a really nice stable forefoot. If you've got a lateral flare or a medial flare, if you've got two of them together, usually that's going to be a nice kind of gently guided way to go forwards. But if you're landing up there and that posterior flare is there, if you're sensitive to that, not everybody is that if you, if your body sensitive to that, that may be a problem for you. The same thing happens in the heel is there's a lot of shoes that have a lot of like lateral heel flare, which if, since a lot of people do typically land on the lateral side of their foot, some land in the middle. I don't think anybody, I've never seen anybody land on the inside. Um, that except with some kind of congenital deformities, that was a little different, but most people land on the lateral side and that can cause that the more flare there is, the, the it can cause an early initial contact, i.e. early initial landing. And the re we've talked about this in some of our reviews and our thoughts of the DPT section, but an early contact, um, the reason that can be significant is that before your foot even hits the ground, your body starts activating the muscles that are going to need to be used to absorb shock. And so before you're, if you're a heel striker, before your heel hits the ground, muscles like your quadriceps are starting to activate even before you're, it's needed so that it's ready to hit. So I think another good example for heel strike is your, your tibialis anterior, the muscle in the front of your shin. So those two muscles are starting to activate, starting to turn on before your foot even hits the ground. And so if you're, if your shoe is giving you an earlier contact, the foot may not have gone through that activation pattern. That's kind of what we've been talking about this whole time in the same way for people who are landing in that more mid to four foot, you're going to land on the outside and in muscles like your, um, tibialis posterior and this actually and, and even part of your calf needs to activate uh, is might you you might have contact before they're activated to the point that they were ready so it could be a transitionary period for people I'm going to use this as an opportunity to jump into another question um, so this is Manny T he was kind of talking about 
a lot of his own personal experiences. Um, and I'm going to try to break it down. So he, he said that he started noticing um, different kinds of uh, heel pain that came on because of using different types of shoes. And, you know, I think as we're talking about stability shoes, neutral shoes, Achilles or posterior heel pain, um, kind of how, how does stability and potentially pain there kind of work in together? Um, yeah, let's go there. That's a great question as obviously we're going to start this with, it depends, right? Um, and he's talking about where stability is located. He's talking about shoes in general. Yeah. So let me just, let's go through here a little bit. He's used the Cayano and hurricanes with success before they, he said before they changed their shoes or he's like, or I changed, <laughs> I'm not sure, which is Both a good happen. point. I'm thankful he actually wrecked. Both happen frequently. Um, he said, I now use neutral shoes, uh, but only some are comfortable. He uses the new balance propel. It seems fine. Right. Um, he also used the carbon X for longer brisk runs, but then he noticed that his back of it, the back of his ankle got a little sore after those longer miles. Um, does that mean he pronates in the back of his foot and should target a shoe that helps in that area? So that, I think that's what he's talking about is kind of stability builds into shoes in the back. Does motion uh, of your heel have to do with posterior heel pain? There we go. We don't so, know a ton about him. So we can't be, we can't like, this is, this is not, not diagnosing. Advice. This, this is not medical specific. advice. There, there's honestly We're not talking enough, theoretically about this right. stuff. There's not enough inf information there for us to actually make a diagnosis to kind of figure out what's going on. But th there's a lot of stuff that goes on at that heel. The mobility of your calcaneus, that heel bone, if that's too stiff or too loose, can certainly cause some issues. The Achilles inserts right there. So a lot of people have like me have like very sensitive Achilles insertions. You can get a little bit of a haggling deformity, which is that little bony bump. Um, the posterior tibialis runs right back there. There's all kinds of stuff that goes back there. But I think the biggest thing in terms of pain is if you're getting heel pain, make sure how stiff, how stiff is the heel counter back there, right? Is there, is there cushioning for you is kind of one of the first things I would suggest looking for. It may not have anything to do with stability, right? So then, you know, what is the heel? If you're a heel striker, what's the heel flare like? Or the, the heel bevel? Is it a flared heel that kind of causes a little early initial impact, which might cause a little more irritation there? Or is it nice and solidly beveled so you're going to land there? It's going to transition you forward really nicely. That's a couple of things, not even talking about stability, but when you do get into stability, you know, you can start talking about, is there a lateral sole flare that's maybe causing an early initial contact? Is there a post that's really thick? I mean, New Balance did a great job of integrating this one, but are there, there's other companies where you'll see this, this midfoot or the midfoot post going back and have it being a heel-based post and that might stiffen things up too much or it might not be stable enough, right? So there's, is it stable? Is this stable or too loose back here? Is there sole flare in a certain area even posteriorly? How's the bevel? How's the heel counter? There's a lot of things to look at. And if it sounds like he's doing better in neutral shoes, but is still wondering, does he need a stability shoe? And the answer is it, it depends. There are plenty and of, yeah, please interrupt me I'm before just I keep just, throw this in. <laughs> before I ramble, <laughs> interrupt me, please. I'm going to throw this in there because I think it, it shows that the complexity of, of people and, uh, and they only play a piece. 
But he said, interestingly, I saw a picture of my last marathon and my hip does drop sharply on the same side as my problem foot, ah. quote unquote problem foot he put. And so, and that know, also, oh, and go ahead. I, you go, David. No, I was going to say that also because where, where my mind immediately went is, well, where is the instability? Is it even in the foot and ankle in the first place? And so there's always a chance that it's coming from somewhere further up the chain. And yep. so it's like to fix those impairments and biomechanics and motor control and not too sharply. We've talked about that before that everyone has their own individual mechanics, but you can, you can help impairments and make them the best athlete they can be. Right. Um, and the I, body think, they have. I think this is also what we're saying. What we're not saying right now is, Oh, hip drop equals problem for heel pain that's you know that's not yeah. what we're saying either but i think it i think it helps broaden the picture of the complexity of the situation right. that you need to make sure you have to see which pieces in the whole kinetic chain and the shoe are contributing factors i i think when that's it comes a, to pain i yeah go for it sorry when it, when i when it comes to when it comes to pain i usually i usually say that shoes don't fix the problem but shoes can cause a problem um, shoes, uh, Matt always, uh, talks about shoes being tools and that's definitely true. They're usually not the only thing that's going to fix a problem hundred percent. Some people do get lucky. That's for sure. Um, but they can cause problems. <laughs> and then they get <laughs> super, they get lucky and they think that that's, that shoe is like the only one for them. And then they hold on to it dearly and they get super upset when the company changes it. So you have to be a little bit more flexible. Right. It's a tool. Um, David brought up a good, both of you brought up a good point and the fact that be careful when you look at things and go, oh, that person has hip drop. That's the source of their problem. You can totally compensate for heel pain by dropping at the hip because it allows you to shock absorb better at the hip. That can go the opposite way. You can have a weakness of the pelvic musculature that's not stabilizing as well. And now you're loading the, the ankle more. You can have weakness of the quadriceps. So you're not shock absorbing well enough and you're loading too much in the heel. The answer is it's not simple. It depends. You kind of have to play with some of the pieces and find out. You can modify the shoe. You can go, can I do something that's maybe a little bit more stable? An example being the endorphin shift is a great example of a shoe that's very stable, but isn't a stability shoe. Do you need a stability shoe like something like the 860? Can you do something like the Kiana Light, which is different? You kind of have to experiment and find out. Do you need to work on your hip strength? Do you need to work on your heel mobility? You, we can give you these options, but at the end of the day, you have to test them to see what works. This is the puzzle. Yeah. Now we got one more question that we'll touch right now from somebody. Um, and I thought this was a really great question. We'll close on it. Um, this is from Bruno Casita. Um, and at the, at the end of his thing, well, first of all, he said that we should bring on Emily Heller from Run Like Heller. I think that's a great idea. I think it's we a should great do idea. that sometime. It'd be fun to talk. Yeah, it would be, be really fun. fun to talk with her. Um, and the other thing uh, that he said at the end was, you talk about different things for different people. And he said, how about different feet? My right foot has a nice arch and my left foot is pretty flat. Therefore, it pronates more. So he's asking this question about like, what the heck? And then he had some very angry emojis afterwards <laughs> and, a, and a laughing emoji. Pretty good stuff. Anyway. His emoji game is strong. So he's basically asking yeah. that question. What do you do for these? Let's say you're a person with two very different foot types. I'm curious to hear your guys' comments first. Because this is always very interesting. Because the human body is asymm asymmetrical. Matt? 
Did we lose me? Uh, I'm curious to hear your guys' yeah, thoughts we did first. For a second. <laughs> yes, my internet disconnection is unstable. I'm getting this nice message. Uh, I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts first because the body is inherently asymmetrical and people do come in and this is very concerning for them. So what do you guys think? That's a loaded question. Oh, yeah. It's hard because you're, you're right. There is an inherent asymmetry in probably 99% of people. I don't think I know anyone that's perfectly symmetric. Um I mean, it depends if it's to the point where it's something that's quote unquote, I guess, pathological. I mean, if it's to the point where it's altering your biomechanics so much that you have to get involved in redirecting the biomechanical path, then obviously then there's probably orthotics and things like that out there for you. However, most people do just fine and it's more finding a shoe that maybe has elements of both i don't i don't know i mean that's, that's a tough question because it depends on how prominent the difference is and and the components that that individual is looking for specifically yeah i think i think there's enough literature out there right now that we know we're not really good at giving a, t a foot type, a prescription for a certain type of shoe. I think that's, that's clear enough. So it's, there's, there's some theory that maybe you could apply to certain situations, but by and large, we're not good at taking a foot type and diagnosing that you should have this kind of shoe, whether that means you should have stability or a firm or a soft or whatever. Um, if he was, or she was like, you know, fine and not having any pain or problem and was finding shoes that they enjoy running in, I would say, whatever, keep going because, um, yeah, there's people who run with what you would consider the most pain inducing mechanics you'd ever seen, but they've ran for 50 years and they've run 50 miles a week and they've never had any pain. So we'll throw all your biomechanics out the window for that person. Right. Um, but, uh, I think it gets more complicated if the case is that this person is having pain in either the high arch foot or the flat arch foot, then you'd have to start thinking, I, I do think that's where you start to have special considerations for messing with the shoes themselves. I, I've never, I've never told somebody to go buy two pairs of shoes and wear one on their one foot and one on the other. I've never done that. Um, I could see some potential issues with like slightly different stack heights and different drops and just how that could play with, kind of leg length. I, I haven't, haven't done that. Um, but I think that's where you could consider if needed in a special scenario, lots of prefaces for faces. <laughs> Sorry. It's terrible. That's not how you say preface. <laughs> oh, it's getting late. It's getting late. Um, that's where I think you'd start thinking about orthotics for whichever foot would need the little assistance in the shoe. Um, that's my thoughts, but I'm open to learn. What do you think, I, Matt? I totally agree with what you guys said. Obviously, it depends. And I think both of you raised great points where, you know, it is a balance between the two feet, right? You'll get plenty of people that have, especially when it comes to leg length differences or asymmetries, you'll have one, one, person, one foot that's heavily mobile and moves a lot and the other one that's really, really stiff. So how do you match that if they do, you know, do well in a stability shoe? 
you guys both mentioned that you can't just stick, assume that somebody's going to work well on one of these things. One of the things that I do in clinic really frequently is I will tape somebody's foot, not with kinesio tape, but with McConnell tape, the thick stuff. And I'll do a, a arch taping and see, go, Hey, how, what does this feel like? And if they say, you know what, that feels pretty good. And that actually feels better Then it goes, you might, you might benefit from stability. You're not going to know unless you test it. If you just assume you are going to get in trouble. If you look at their mechanics or especially if you look at them statically and just go, oh yeah, you need a stability shoe, a large portion of the time you're going to be wrong. And Nathan mentioned a large amount of research has shown that our ability to predict that based on, based on arch type is, is horrible. It's, the research is quite shocking actually how bad it is. Um, we've also seen how bad those static foot measuring devices are. If somebody's not taking a look at how you move and they're just watching you statically, hopefully you can walk at least decently walk out of that office um, because that is not evidence-based. And we have known probably for the last 20 years that that is not a way to fit anybody for anything other than maybe initial sizing. But in terms of like facilitating mechanics, you're not moving. So those doc, sorry, Dr. Scholes, those doc, those like foot scanners and stuff like that. Those are not good. I mean, you know, some people might do well and f- like get lucky, but it's not very it's accurate. Like- yeah. They play they play a role, you yeah. Know, they or they can play a role for like right. you said initial fit. I think it's where they'll you know if you stand right. on a thing and you stand in a shoe versus the the mobile components of the foot. Right. There's so, a ton of joints in the foot. It moves there are. a lot. <laughs> so now to go back on that, if you have a Dr. Scholl's orthotic and you put it in, you start walking, you go, oh, this is really comfortable. That's a different story because you actually now have tried it functionally. But if you're just standing there, right, it doesn't work like that. So. Yeah. You know, so the answer, what I usually tell people and what has been, I have been taught and what I've seen in the literature is, especially when it comes to stability shoe, you're going to have to see, can you find a middle ground between the two feet? If one side needs more stability than the other one, can the one that doesn't need it handle being in a stability shoe? If the answer is yes, you find that middle ground, you maybe work on a little bit of strength, you work on some stability on both sides, because even if it's just one side, you just, there's a 10% carryover when you do strength trading or even motor control stuff. So find that middle ground. If it's too extreme, then you're going to have to go through other extreme measures, right? You may need an asymmetrical orthotic, which they do make. That's you know You may need other measures, especially when it comes to leg length differences. You may need a heel lift on one side, but you should always see if you can at least do the minimum and just see if you can find a shoe that's a middle ground between two of them. So if you have one side that likes stability, one side yeah. that doesn't, can you do a mild stability shoe and still get away with it? Yeah. Awesome. Any last things you guys want to talk about with uh, stability trends or any of these questions we talked about? I'm, be, I'm I'm curious to hear from you guys. So David's the only one among us. So we're going to bring up the 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 fast racing shoes right now because that's what everybody seems to ask. You know, the uh, shoe geeks and stuff like that. That's what people ask questions about. Um, David's the only one that's run in the Alpha Fly. Nathan and I have run a variety of other ones. What do you guys think about the stability or lack thereof of some of these quote unquote? super shoes or shoes that are coming out right now? That is such an interesting question because I think now more than ever with everyone playing with foam compounds and plates, the stability has become even more dynamic than it ever has. And so it's like how your foot 
and your whole lower extremity for that matter interacts with the shoe and the ground below it redefines what stability even means on some of these shoes. So say if I put on the Rocket X, it might feel more stable for you than it does for me or, or vice versa. And um, for me, the Alpha Fly actually surprisingly was really stable for me, but, but my mechanics already kind of fall in line with how that shoe was somewhat designed for with that hoof and that platform that it kind of almost is level with. I'd have to go run and grab the shoe to show you guys. But um, for some people landing in the back, they might just have a hard clunky landing on that hoof and it might not be enjoyable at all. And so it's, it's hard to describe, but it's like once I get going and pick up the pace, like that hoof actually feels really, really nice to me. Like, it's like, you just kind of like land. It's like, it's predictable and it's, and it's firm just enough to where you can, you can expect what you're going to feel every time you land. And the plate itself does a good job of stabilizing both on the medial and lateral aspect of it. And the upper is reinforced well enough to where I actually had like zero problems taking turns in it. Whereas, mm -hmm some people are probably gonna have a nightmare like trying to turn in it so it's it's interesting because they're all playing so much with the durometer and the plates and the geometry of the shoe like someone could put the endorphin pro on and be like this is the most stable thing on the planet and to be honest i think as far as all of the quote-unquote super shoes go i think the endorphin pro probably would match a global, I guess if we're going to like throw in a biomechanic heel, midfoot, forefoot type of striking pattern, in my opinion, that probably would agree with the masses the most. And I think that seems to be the case from what we've been seeing with the endorphin speed, because that's, then it becomes a forefoot stiffness thing, but virtually the shoes are so similar that they're all, um, they're almost interchangeable, I guess. Like they're not, they're different, but, right. but for the sake of the geometry, um conversation they're about the same um so i think that it's such a loaded question that it's so dependent on individual mechanics and how someone interacts with the shoe but um the foams themselves are inherently a little on the unstable side i think just because of how soft they are but like they've been playing with geometry they've been playing with the plates themselves and a lot of these shoes are surprisingly more stable than you'd probably think and that's because they've designed them to be because they're designed to run 26 miles fast in them so um that's my piece yeah <laughs> yeah, I think, what do you think? <clears throat> yeah I, I think in general you know i think it's been pretty clear <clears throat> that well maybe it's not been that clear a lot of these shoes are high stack with this with the you know, take out the Speed Elite and the Meta Racer, at least. You know, there's a couple others that are a little bit lower stack, but they're all higher stack with these really soft foams. Those two things in general would, it's like standing on like soft stilts. Obviously, you're like going to be more unstable. So I think inherently in, from, from a just foam perspective and stack perspective, all of these shoes sit a little bit on the more unstable side. However, the, I think that's a big role of the plates. And I think that the plate design, which I think is the thing that we 
know the least about because we haven't cut into our shoes and typically they aren't releasing like the exact shape of these plates to, to people. So um, I think that the plate design is where you're going to find where your stability comes from. Cause even the rocket X, which Hoka always has, we talked, we've already talked about the lateral flares. They always have tons of lateral flaring to counteract their high stack. The rocket X doesn't have that to the point that the other shoot to the other point that other Hoka's do. So even that shoe doesn't have the lateral flaring. And a lot of it has to do with, is this plate like the speed elite has a full um, width plate. That winglet plate is full left to right, which I think provides it to be one of the more plus and flow stack. It even, Unfortunately, it, it, it's not fully whatever. You could argue it even goes beyond actually the foot. Like it, the plate almost flares out because you can yeah, see it. Yeah, you can like yeah. click it together. So it, I mean, it, it goes, you know, the full length versus some of these, you don't see it. So it's embedded within the shoe, which means it's not full length. And then sometimes it's more narrow in the heel than it is in the forefoot. Sometimes it's split in the forefoot. I think the, the design of the plate is what provides if the shoe is going to be more stable in the rear or the forefoot than anything else. Um, unfortunately, that doesn't allow me to rank them uh, because I don't know the, to be honest, I don't know the plate design perfectly of all of these because they're not released. But um, I think that's, that's my thought, my two cents on stability in these racing flats. That's a, that's Stacks. a great thing. And again, I think people are misdirecting some of their thoughts when they really focus on the carbon fiber or the plate design of the shoes. The plate designs don't necessarily contribute to performance as much as you, if people think uh, it's, it's like less than 1% at most frequently. And I, I'm going to piss some people off by saying that, but again, the research continues to show that over and over again. So it's the foams are what really tend to do this in terms of their responsiveness. So the plates with plates stiffen the shoe up. It's no different than putting a stiff orthotic in there. That's how that works. When you increase the stiffness of the sole, it changes where you put pressure, how the transition to your foot. It changes the rigidity of the shoe, which can increase the stability. If you go too far, it can make it cause a problem if it's too stiff. But the plates, I think, really serve to stabilize these foams. And the design of the plate will certainly influence that stability. So Nathan brought up the speed, the speed elite, the plate, you can see it. It's one of the few shoes you can actually see the plate from the lateral medial side. So I, that, I love that shoe because it provides so much stability for me in the front without being a post. Now other shoes, the plates are smaller and you have to realize based on the literature, it's still hard to figure out because the stuff back in like the nineties and the early two thousands where they did this research. Those, they were used full length plates. They didn't use these modified S designs. You know, we have some, Understanding that Saucony might use an S design, we know that the the H the, about the H plate and the um, Speed Elite, we know that some like there's the Fly plate and the Alpha Fly. Thank I can you. Go run and grab it. Yeah. So that it, we don't know how those plate variations affect. Some of the companies do, but they don't they don't release that information to us. So it's hard to know. We just can do it based on theory. But the, a lot of the, what's interesting about a lot of these shoes is if you look at the literature on maximalist shoes, you're talking almost exclusively about your traditional max cushion shoe, which have a super wide base. They're you know extremely high stack height, and they're using usually EVA. Right, so David, talk about that really quick before I go off on a tangent. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because like how you say, we can't visibly see the plate a lot of right. times. So for all I know, I haven't cut this open. It could just be a traditional spoon. Don't but do if that. You look at Some the, people, 
Some people have cut them open. Yes. So you could go look it up on YouTube, yeah, I suppose. I've, I've not... been saying that, but like people have cut them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I don't I think it tells the whole story. Anyway. David, if you cut but yours you open, I would see, cry. Like, just the geometry of this thing is unlike pretty much anything that's ever come to the market. And it's pretty gnarly looking, yeah. but you can, the plate's exposed. Like there's a hole there in the middle of the hoof there, and you can even get underneath it if you really wanted to. Right. So, the, and so it's almost like hollowed out and then you have this carbon plate right on top of that AirPod. So, so David, can you bring up the outsole again? So he yeah. brings up a really good point on this and that, you know, we, there's so many factors that are different, right? In terms of the plate design and most of the literature right now that's been done on the stability of maximalist shoes deals with traditional ones something like not you, this is like your they look at classic hoka s shoes super wide full ground cat contact outsole um there's not usually a plate in it it's just this tank that's their maximalist shoe that doesn't fit in that category like can you hold it up one more time that is not full ground contact that midfoot is is a little bit narrow right it's there's a lot of factors that are different about these racing shoes that we can't contribute because a lot of the literature is like, oh, you know, these maximal shoes have some inherent stability. These do these may not. The soles are much narrower. The we haven't studied these, so we don't know what a lot of the stability is based on the literature. But we can only theorize. Go, maybe the plate stabilizes this stuff, but to what degree? We have no idea. You know, the the closest right, and like we don't know what these companies are even thinking in terms of like why they're doing certain things as well. Right. We can make generalizations and assumptions, but like if in theory, if the foams, let's say the foam is the magic sauce, they hollowed it out. So you would think that there would be Zoom X across this entire thing covering that plate and then having their AirPod but then they didn't. And maybe it's just to take weight off. Maybe they didn't find that much of a difference in terms of efficiency or I don't know, like some kind of output. I, I doubt they'll have that much of a difference in VO2 or any physiological things like that. But um, in terms of like, if yeah, just efficiency, motor control and efficiency, but I don't know, but they, yeah, they hollowed it out. So it's like, even, even when the foam is the target, they still play around with it. So, so that what we're trying to tell yeah. you is there's a, there's a lot of different factors that go into this when it comes to the literature and like studying this stuff, we still don't know because nobody's done that yet. So before you get on mat, before you get into massive arguments on Facebook and Instagram and various things, just hold, hold the phone a little bit and know that we don't really know. We're still trying to figure that out. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, we thank everybody for submitting some questions to us. That wasn't, this wasn't a planned episode. Mm. Um, we just, with the feedback that we got from people, we, we thought we'd want to get on and try to answer those. Um, so kind of, we can take that as a cue that if, if people have questions about things that we end up talking about, please feel free to reach out to us, whether it's just leaving a comment on YouTube or our Facebook and Instagram uh, or on the podcast can you leave comments on podcasts? Yeah, you can. So uh, on any of those things, please feel free to do that. And we will be happy to kind of get together and try to geek out on it and bring uh, what the literature says, but also uh, kind of what our clinical experiences are as well. And um, it's always more fun when we have interactions. So we appreciate that. Uh, again, if you have any ideas that you want to hear us talk through, please feel free to reach out to us. Um, and again, follow us on doctorsofvernon.com.
You can also check out our Facebook, Instagram, YouTube channel, and our podcast, which is uh, Docs are Running Virtual Roundtable, which is available on all the platforms. Hope y'all have a nice, stable night.